0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. If you've got a Bible, if you've got a Bible, open with me to uh, John chapter 17. If you, were, uh, if you were with us last week, um, we, we jumped into this, um, this thought, if you were not with us, um, that's okay. We're going to catch you up. But we jumped into this, this thought last week um, where we were looking at, at um, the purpose of prayer. And we, we looked at Jesus' life and we began by looking at, which is a good place to start, the prayer that Jesus actually prayed for us. Um, and... Because when we come to fast and when we come to pray, we're bringing to the Lord our prayer requests or our prayer desires, if you like, or the desires of our heart for our life, for our family, for our situation, for our finances, for our marriages, for our kids, for every area of our life. And and so we we sort of backtracked and we looked at this, this prayer that, that is such a gift that we have this, this actual prayer in scripture that Jesus prayed for us. And the reason why we chose that to look at was because this gives us an indicator as to what is closest to the heart of God for our life. And so we looked at this prayer with this desire to really get an insight into what is what is God's greatest desire for us because I want to align my desires for me with God's desires for me I don't want to catch myself praying something that maybe is not really the essence of God's heart for my life. I, I want to get to really what does he want for my life. And so we looked at this, this, this portion of scripture and we were a little bit surprised, if you like, and almost challenged at the um, lack of detail that was in this prayer. When I look at the, the, the detail that I pray for my own life and my own situation... And, and our prayer lists are so detailed, aren't they? I know exactly what I want. I know exactly what I want him to do. Heck, I even have him on a schedule. I don't just want him to do it. I want him to do it when I want him to do it. And, and so my, my prayer lists are, are so detailed I mean, I can, I can reel it off for you, things in my own life, things in my own mind, patterns in my life, patterns of thinking, disciplines that I want, want help with, things for my kids, specific things for Luca and then specific things for Leo and then things with the church and things for you guys and things for the staff and things for the team and things for my future and dealing with issues of my past and things for my finances and things. We all have them, don't we? All of the different details of everything that we want for our life. And we know all about it. But then when I take that prayer list and I compare my prayer list for me and his prayer list for me, I'm faced with a very harsh reality that I think, in fact, I know that we're actually focusing on two different things. Because when Jesus prayed for me, Out of all of those things that he could have prayed, he prayed this. God, I pray that they would be one, just as you, Father, are in me and that I'm in you. That Jesus, the essence of Jesus' heart and desire for my life is that very simply I would be connected with him. That's the purpose of prayer. And we talked about the importance of establishing that connection with him through prayer in our life. And the platform that that essentially sets you on, that is one that is stable and one that is secure understanding that the goal of this prayer time is actually not to walk away with a breakthrough the goal is not to walk away with a miracle and we talked about the fact that even when jesus went with the purpose of doing miracles in his hometown walked away and no miracles were done and if the goal was to do miracles and jesus failed because even Jesus understood that the goal was not to do, but the goal was to remain and to abide and to stay connected. And so as we, we sort of stay, I want us to sort of stay in this little thought and little flow. And I want to, I want to just continue... And I want to keep reading and in verse 23, John 17 and verse 23, he continues to elaborate on this this thought that is a prayer and really is a desire of his heart for our life. It's so important to him that he elaborates and unpacks the same thing. That's what I love about it. And, and, And he touches on this in here and he says... In verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect. I want you to say that word perfect. Perfect Perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That word perfect struck me because it seems so contrary to what we talk about in church because so often we talk about not being perfect. But then when you look at it and you realise what this word means under the surface, it's different to the way in which perhaps I interpret it initially. That this word perfect, it actually means complete. This word perfect, it means to, to be accomplished. Another interpretation for this word is it means to be full. It means fullness. When I heard that, I liked that. That sat with me good. That, that, that made sense in my mind, especially if you were here last week and I, and I had that, remember, I had that garden hose up here and we were talking about the importance of remaining connected to the source, otherwise everything I'd do is pointless because if I'm not connected to the source, then I have no flow in my life. And so then when I saw the interpretation of this word perfect and the fact that perfect actually means full, it lines up and it reminds me of where we left last week talking about the importance of remaining connected and the importance of having a flow. Because if I don't remain connected To the source, the same way if a hose is not connected to a tap, it has no flow. And if I don't have any flow, I will never ever be full. And what he's saying in this verse is that I want to be connected with them, not because I'm a self absorbed God and I just want everybody around me to be all about me. But I want to be connected with them. I want to be in them just like you, Jesus speaking, just like you and I, the Father, are connected, are one together. I want the same thing for them. Why? So that they can live a life that is full. A life that's full. And then I started to think about that and I thought I've messed up that word full because I've talked about and preached about living a life that is full as being a life that's blessed in all areas and has a great marriage and great family and amazing business and doesn't struggle here. And this is what it means to live John 10, 10, life to the full. But then I thought that's contrary to the way he's talking about it in this context because he doesn't, mess, he doesn't mention fullness as a result of blessing in every single area of life. Because that would be fullness based upon circumstances and outcomes and what I have. And so I'm challenged to look at that word again and when I look at it again, I see that he's talking about a fullness not based upon what I have but based upon the one I'm connected to. And and when I realise that that there is a level of fullness and fulfilment That I can live in purely just through a connection with the Father through the Son. Then I realize and I'm challenged by the thought that every time I'm not feeling fulfilled and every time I sense emptiness in my life and every time I am facing difficulty, it points me to the source of my strength that will fill me. And that is that connection and relationship with the Father. And it changes the way that I focus on things. It's changed the way that I've prayed in this fast because like you, I came into the fast with everything and all of these different things that I'm praying for. But to be honest, I don't even think I've got to the list. Because I'm finding it really difficult to get past the prayer of, Lord, I just wanna know you more. And every time I go to pray for different things and and hear me, I'm, I'm still praying and still believing for all different things and areas in my life. But I feel the Holy Spirit keep taking me back to that same little prayer that I prayed at the start of the fast that is mentioned here in these words and it's this invitation to encounter Him on a deeper level. And then I'm praying that. And then as I'm praying that, I suddenly realize that all of these other things that I get busy focusing on and wanting, they all sort of pale into insignificance. Because the closer I get to the Father, the more I'm reminded that the Father is going to take care of everything that I need. Because scripture tells me if I seek first, if I seek first the kingdom, then all of these things are added. And so I I look at this, this whole thing of what it is to be closer to him. And it's such a, especially for dudes, it's such a like sappy thought, you know? Chicks love it. The guys, it just feels, uh, maybe it's a strategy of the enemy to cause a disconnect between man and their heavenly father. Because if he can cause that disconnect, he can allow a gap between a depth of intimacy between the head of the home. He can allow a, a, a depth of, a gap of intimacy between men and their heavenly father and then in turn cause disruption to the family unit and disruption to culture and disruption to society, because if I can get men to start thinking that being vulnerable and intimate with the Heavenly Father is somehow being weak or somehow being mushy or being too girly or whatever bizarre concept we come up with to cause ourselves to be distant from the God who created us and the only one that can truly fulfill us. If I can get men thinking like that and believing that lie, then I'll interrupt the enemy will interrupt this opportunity for intimacy that will cause men to even find it difficult to relate to their wives in the way in which god designed them to relate to their wife and that is being led by the holy spirit and listening to his voice And why Jesus actually gave us that instruction to start first by praying and connecting to God through the understanding of him as my heavenly father. And in this idea of drawing closer to him, I'm challenged with the thought that there are levels to my relationship with God. And again, it's, it, it, it sounds like a... a, a a concept that's very counter kingdom because we, we like the idea and, and hear me when I say this we like the idea within the concept of, of Christian family and community that we're all on the same level and it's true in, in, in to a point because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But like any relationship, your walk with the Lord is one that has to grow. And in order for something to grow, it has to move from one level to the next. And so when we understand that we begin a relationship with God, all of us on the same level, all of sin fallen short of the glory of God, we all step into this relationship with Him. But then we are invited through this relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, into an amazing, incredible journey. And it's the journey of drawing closer. And I've challenged us before with the idea or the thought in Scripture that when you get saved, Jesus is not your friend. And I know we hate that because we want Him to be our friend. And we want to say, I'm friends with Jesus. And we want to put on a little bumper sticker or get it tattooed on our arm and go around saying, Jesus is my friend. According to Scripture, the moment you get saved, He's not your friend. He's your Saviour then you get invited into the relationship with him, not as friend, but as disciple. Because Jesus said to the disciples, I once called you disciples, but now I call you friends. Which means when I called you disciples, you were not my friend. And I know it sounds harsh and we want to think of Jesus being a lot nicer than that. But this is what Scripture says. And I say all that to say that we need to understand that drawing near to Him is this continual journey that I am on in getting closer And the closer I get, the more fulfilled I become. And this is what he was talking about in this verse, that they may be perfect, that they may be full. This is what God wants for our life, that we may live a life that is full a life that's full of intimacy, closeness with him. Not this walk with him that is, is transactional. Pray, believe, get, go. Pray, believe, get, go. Pray, believe, get, go. Read, attend church. Pray, believe, do this, fast, this. You see how we can turn this life that He created for us to live so full of relationship with him walking in his peace, abounding in his love, experiencing challenges in life that sometimes God will step in and through his power and his grace will intervene and will transform. But other times he will demonstrate his goodness and his power to you, not by turning around your problem, but by standing with you right in the middle of it while you walk it out. But that's sort of harder because we don't want that. We just want him to get rid of the crap stuff and give us the good stuff. But it's wrong theology. And and I want so desperately for us as a church to understand and catch this revelation in our heart of what it really is to live a life that's full. This verse. When I looked at it and saw this word, I started looking to see where else I saw this word in Scripture. And I found this story, Matthew 8, uh, 19, verse 16. And it's a story of where a, a rich man comes to Jesus. And uh, I've been so critical of this guy before. And and I've used it as as this example of you know, we see it obviously as this example of what not to do, but then in the context of how we're what we're talking about today, for the first time I sort of saw myself in this guy and I thought, This is this is so often how how I live and and operate my Christian walk, especially when it comes to my prayer life. Matthew chapter nineteen and verse Sixteen. Now, behold, one came and said to him, "Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life?" The problem is that I, I look at that, and and whilst I don't I don't come to him praying, asking him for eternal life because I know I already have that through Jesus Christ, but I do find myself coming to him in my prayer life saying the same thing that this man said, what must I do to get what I want? Because that's what he was saying. And he had respect and he had honour. He came to him and he said, good teacher. And and look at what he's asking for. He's asking for something that's good. Good. What, 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 what must I do to get eternal life? And on the surface, you sort of look at it and you think, oh, I sort of look at him and I sort of almost want Jesus to sort of have a heart a little bit, you know? Be like, Jesus, come on, you know? The poor guy. What must I do to have eternal life? I think if someone came to me, I'd be like, oh, Buddy, just get in a small group. Come along to church. Come here, I'll give you a hug. Listen, everything's going to be okay. And Jesus doesn't do that because he looks beyond the words that are said and he sees the heart. He said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good. But one, that is God. But if you want to, either, uh, want to enter into life, keep my commandments. Now, of course, Jesus knows what's going on with this guy. But Jesus nevertheless says this to him. And then he says, the man says to God, he says, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. Because understand, this man's thinking at this point of Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and there wasn't just 10 commandments. I mean, it was a multiple... Levitical law and and everything. So there's all of which, what do you want me to do? Like all of them, what do you? So Jesus says to him a few, honour your father and mother, love your neighbour as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said, if you want to be, here it is. Say the word out loud, perfect the same word in the Greek, if you want to be full, because he, what Jesus does is he sees the need beyond the man's want. The man comes to Jesus and this is what I want, I want eternal life and Jesus is saying to him, no, no, you're not asking for eternal life, you're asking for fullness and I'm going to tell you how what you need to do to get full. You need to sell all you have and give it to the poor and then you'll have treasure and then you'll come and then you'll follow me. I love the way Jesus addresses things and I love his ability to speak straight to the root of the issue because the root of the issue in this man's life it wasn't that he had a problem with money it was that he had a problem with lordship because go back to the way in which he approached him at the start he came to Jesus and he never called Jesus Lord he called Jesus teacher he never understood what it was to live a life that was completely surrendered a life that was completely connected therefore he never lived full And all he was doing was he was trying to relate to Jesus on this transactional level where he just wanted instruction on what to do. But his desire, in his desire for instruction, he was sacrificing intimacy. And then I find myself, as I look at this, I realise I can so often do that that I think sometimes, if I was to be really honest, if I had a choice, Ben, you get to stand here and hear God tell you this, 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 I want you to do this, this, this and this and then you'll get this, this, this in your life. Or if I had the choice to just sit in His presence, maybe I would choose that. And I hate to tell you that on a Sunday morning from the stage in the middle of a fast. But but my flesh is that strong that I think if the doors were closed and you guys didn't know what I was really asking God for, then I think I would settle for His instruction to get what I want over the intimacy to just be close. And maybe that's why he cannot trust me with what I want because I'm not close enough to steward it in the way that I'm gonna need to. Because maybe, maybe, maybe my walk with him is not at a level of maturity yet. And maybe I keep ignoring his desire to draw me closer to a deeper personal relationship with him. And the reason why I ignore it is not because I don't love him, but I am so distracted by the things that I want him to do for me. And I tell him, if you do this for me, I will draw closer. And he says, no, 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 that's not how it works. If you draw closer, then I will fill you and the things that you want me to do that you've been thinking all this time will fill you, you will realise that they will not fill you and it doesn't mean that I won't do them one day in your life but I need to fill you so much with my presence that when I do them, it's not them you require fulfilment from but they just become a great addition. That's when he can trust you with the business and the blessing and the spouse and the kids and the breakthroughs because then he knows he has your heart and you're full of him, not yourself. But I find every time I go to him in prayer, it takes me a minute to adjust the way I'm praying, to align the way I pray with the way he tells me to pray. Because again, I'm so fixated upon instruction over intimacy. And it's not to say that instruction from him is not important but instruction from him becomes religious if it does not lead to relationship because the purpose of instruction is to produce revelation and the purpose of revelation instruction cannot just be information the purpose of of the instruction is to bring revelation and the purpose of the revelation is to bring us to a place of intimacy and connection. Because instruction speaks to my head, revelation speaks to my heart. I said to my son the other week, Luca, my son is six, the uh, keys can come, um, I know this is a little bit of a different message. I don't have a title and I don't have points. Um, But I'm just sharing what I... I'm really in a space at the moment where I'm just sort of sharing what God's telling, speaking to me about during the week. And then I just sort of spill it over to you. So sorry about that. I was with my son the other week. He's six. He's six. Love him to death, a kid can be a handful. I said to him, Luca, we're in the car, and so I've got they've got different, you know, their little routine when they get home. Get out of the car, go to the laundry, hang your bags up on your hooks, take your shoes off, shoes on the back, take your lunchbox out, lunchbox in the kitchen bench. You know, we give our kids we give them instructions. But the purpose as parents to giving them instructions, it, it, there's a deeper purpose to it, isn't it? it? I'm not telling him to do these things just because I don't want to do them and I want him to do them. It's, it's not. There's, there's a desire that I have that goes deeper than the instructions I say. Because what we're trying to teach them is we're trying to teach them as kids what it is to be responsible in life. I said to Luca, we're in the car and he, he can be a little bit distracted, ADD. I have no idea where he gets it from, but um, he, uh, he is like that. Unfortunately, it's like, he's like me. So I said, Luca, when you get home, because he had left his toys out in the back room. I said, Luca, when you get home, I want you to clean up the toys in the back room. As soon as you get home, go out and clean up the toys in the back room. And I'm in this, this flow with him where I say to him, Luca, how many times do I have to say something? And he says, once. I said, all right, I'm only going to say it once. Clean your toys up in the back room. Okay. So we get home, we unpack the car and we go inside and I'm watching to see, you know, Luca's going to be a beat And he walks in, walks in, walks straight past the back room, goes to the stairs and goes up to his bedroom. I stood there and I, thought, oh, and I thought, look, just be patient, give him time. Maybe he's putting something away. He'll come back downstairs. So I'm in the kitchen and I just hear this, you know, noise and things moving around. It sounds like he's playing with his toys and trucks. And I'm like, what is this kid doing? I'm thinking, when is he going to learn? So I thought, look, I'll, I'll give it time. I'll, I'll wait and see. Sure enough, he doesn't show. About 15, 20 minutes goes by. Then he calls out, Dad, yes, bud. He says, can you come up here? I'm thinking I'm about to, this kid is pushing me to my very last. I walk upstairs, go out, go to his room, open the door of his room. He's standing at the end of his bed on the floor. Standing like this, looking at me with the biggest smile on his face, like proud as punch, so I look at him, and then I look around his, his room, and his room is absolutely spotless. And I look at him, and he is so proud of himself. And then I stopped for a minute. My initial thought was to correct him and say, buddy, listen, what did I tell you to do? But then I realised something. Even though he missed my instruction, he did obey my desire. And, And... and. and hear what I'm saying, I don't want you to miss what I'm trying to communicate to you. But when I saw the smile on his face and I saw how proud he was and I realised that even though there was a misinterpretation or a miscommunication pertaining to the instruction, the desire was still fulfilled. Because my desire is not to just get Luca to clean particular rooms. My desire is to teach him to be responsible and clean up after himself. And I started to think of me and God. And I started to think of how many times I've been hung up on the particulars of what God is saying and I miss the desire beneath the instructions and miss catching his heart. And I think of how many times I've been like my son Luca when I've perhaps preached something that wasn't even what he wanted me to say. But I was able through the power of the Holy Spirit to tap into something that was beneath the instructions. And sometimes I feel like I'll finish preaching or doing something for God and God will look at me and be like, listen, You didn't say exactly what I wanted you to say. But I'm going to bless it anyway. Because while your actions sometimes are off, I know I've got your heart. And if I've got your heart, that's what I can work with. And hear me, I'm not saying or giving us a licence to ignore His instructions. James tells us, for those that know to do good and do not do it, to him it is sin. So if you know His instructions and you purposely ignore them, that is sin. But the point that I'm making is do not put the instructions of God higher than the desires of God. Because instructions are just words on a page. Desire is the spirit that speaks to you through those words. And if you reduce your walk with the Lord down to just instructions, you will never live full. Because this whole thing that we do surrounds relationship. And so many of you miss out on doing what God has called you to do because you're so fearful of hearing Him wrong. And I wanna encourage you and tell you that if you can learn what His presence is and learn the desires of His heart, what you do won't matter so much. Because God will just bless it anyway. in the deal that you make in business or the path that you walk down in your studies. Walking with the Lord is less about where you go and more about who you're with. Because when you're with Him, what does it matter where you go anyway? Anyway. And the challenge for us in this fast is we continue to pray and be led by Him. The challenge is, are you living full? You may still need miracles. You may still need breakthroughs. But are you living a life that's full? Full? not full of what you want but full of knowing who he is because a very contrasting story to the one that we read about and I'll do it very quick but is Zacchaeus and I love Zacchaeus but I've never seen it before but the two characters, there are so many similarities, but then there's also, they are in stark contrast to one another. Zacchaeus was rich, but a screw up. And the thing that struck me were the words and the, the words of the first man we read about. And how contrasting his focus was to Zacchaeus's focus. And it's all in the writing. It's all in Scripture. The first man, his focus was, what shall I do that I can have? What do I need to do so that I can get? But Zacchaeus' in Luke 19, I think it's verse 2. It says this, it shows us his focus. So he sought to see who Jesus was. And then suddenly I see the two different contrasts. One just wants to know what he can do so that he can get. And the other wants to know who Jesus is. And then you see Jesus' response to them. And again, this messed with me because Jesus says to the first man, you got to go sell everything. But then to Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus comes to Jesus. And I love it because it gives us a little bit of this insight into the heart of God. and the flexibility and the way in which he relates to each and every one of us differently. And he knows what each and every one of us needs. And he sees our heart beyond our actions. And he sees this guy, Zacchaeus, who's a complete another screw up. I mean, we glamorise his life a little bit by just saying, you know, he's a tax collector. The guy's a mess. And it's in stark contrast to the other guy because the other guy's done all the law. I've done this, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. Now I wanna know what I do next to get. Zacchaeus is like, I've screwed up, I've stolen from people, I'm too short, but I wanna know who you are. So I'm gonna go climb a tree and do whatever I gotta do to encounter you. Because sometimes to have a true, authentic encounter with God, you've got to do something that looks stupid to everybody else. And there's nothing pretty about climbing a tree. Embracing your insecurities because he's got to climb the tree because he's short. And that's just embarrassing. But even these actions of this desperate man give us a glimpse into the purity of his heart beneath the screw up of his life. He's like, whatever I've got to do, I've got to see what's going on. Why? Because even though he perhaps was not even aware of it within him, there was this innate desire for more. Because if he didn't have a desire for more, he would have never climbed the tree because he wouldn't have cared who Jesus was but he's like, there's something missing. I'm not full. I'm doing everything, but I'm not full. I've got everything that the world says I need, but I'm not full. And I'm desperate enough to climb a tree just to see if this thing is for real. To see if this thing's for real. He climbs a tree and Jesus sees him and he's like, bro, what are you doing? Let's go eat some food. You're a mess. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love that God in flesh doesn't pray for Him, doesn't preach at Him? That in this second, Through this one story, He rips us out of our religious mindset and boxes that we wanna put this God in to say, this is how you have to do things. And He says, really watch me. I'm gonna take Zacchaeus to in and out and I'm gonna sit and do something that seemingly on the surface looks so insignificant and so unspiritual. And if you are so focused on my instruction, you will miss the desires of my heart. Because beneath these seemingly pointless waste of time actions of going to eat food, we get a glimpse into the desire of God's heart of relationship for us and with us. And he hangs out with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus I love it. You know, he says to Jesus, remember, he didn't know anything. The dude knows nothing. Think of the most unchurched person you can imagine. He says to Jesus, hey, what do you need me to do? I'm gonna compare, right, what Jesus receives from Zacchaeus as a gesture to get his life right compared to the first man. And this will challenge your theology because Zacchaeus seemingly offers to do less. It's a, it looks like it's a different standard because this, Jesus said to the first man, get rid of everything. But Zacchaeus comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, hey, man, I am such a freaking mess. My life, I just need you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of half my stuff and I'm gonna give it to poor people. And Jesus says, that'll do it, bro. And if you look at it on the surface, it'll mess with you because that's not fair. Because he's offering to do less than what you told the first guy. And God will say to us, it's not about what I tell you to do. It's about the heart of who I am. And even though Zacchaeus is offering to do less than what I was telling the first man to, can do, I can see his heart. And to him, giving away half is like giving away everything. That's how messed up this joke was. Because one person's everything is very different to the other. And one person over here given everything may look very different. And if we get so fixated upon what we do and what we say and what we give and what He says and all of this surface level interaction, we will miss the relationship and the desires of His heart. Because at the end of the day, doesn't just want to teach us how to clean rooms. He wants us to connect with the desire of His heart. And that's the challenge that I want to leave us with this week. Connect with Him on a deeper level. Hear the heart of God and grow in your walk with Him. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FreeChapelOC.